Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. We also have co-hosts Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet. We will share with you the wisdom of the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic, Brachna. Michael is the author of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information about the forgiveness process, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, welcome to the show, Mind Shifters Radio. Hi, and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio. And today is Friday, December the 30th, 2022. Hard to believe, but the next time we're on the show, it will be 2023. Time just flies. Uh, Tim is out of town this week, and so all of his shows have been pre recorded. And the one today actually runs about an hour and nine minutes. So, Michael and I'll be with you when this show completes. But this is Tim processing and doing worksheets from October. 27th and 28th in 2020. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio. I'm Tim Hayes. I'm your host for the first hour. And today is Tuesday, October 27th, 2020. So right before this call, I had a an email come through that resonated all kinds of mildly to moderately negative emotions and it's it's you know it's illustrative of how i am making this you know what i'm reading in this email i'm making it mean something and that's the root of my negative emotional state so this is a another therapist um, who is, you know, I don't know, maybe half my age, close to half my age. And I'm reading in the email that this therapist is questioning my credentials or my uh, validity or my ability to be useful to a, um, a mutual client. And I found myself, you know, right before the show thinking, that's it. Don't even answer her. Just just drop the you know, drop out of the family therapy. Tell them they need to find another therapist. All of these what's the word? Knee jerk negative responses came flooding up. And I know that I need to do worksheets, I need to do journaling, tapping, breathing, to dismantle that negative energy before I respond to this other therapist, unless I want to take a chance that I'm going to pour negative emotional energy into this dynamic. And this 
dynamic includes not just this other therapist, but this family that's, you know, she's seeing one of the individuals in that family in individual therapy, and I was supposed to be doing the, the family therapy. Well, if I'm going to have any chance whatsoever to be useful, I need to sort out, gee, Tim, what's got you thinking so defensively? What's got you thinking, oh, my God, you know, here's this woman. I've, I've called, I'm the one who initiated. I'm the one who's called her like three or four times now. I'm the one who sits with my cell phone on, you know, ready to take her call, even, you know, be late for a session if she calls between, you know, sessions on the hour. And it's been for, you know, five or six or seven days now with no response except an occasional, oh, I'm available for half an hour here on this day. I'll be available for the next half an hour. Well, if I, if I spin the filter on these interactions, I can view it very neutrally as here's a busy therapist trying to connect with another busy therapist. If I spin the filter to the judgmental or negative, here's somebody who's um, really not trying very hard, who clearly doesn't want to connect, who wants to question my credentials. It's all about how I spin the filter. And when I have any level of negative emotional state produced by the filter I'm using to look at life, which is just a neutral flow of events, that's my alarm system trying to tell me, hey, Tim, you've chosen the wrong filter here. Your thoughts are off the mark. You're distorting the picture and you're about to do something, say something, or refuse to do something that could make your life better or do something that's going to make your life worse. It's about to happen right now. I love the way Guy Finley talks about this. He says, imagine that you could choose an interpretation for anything that happens in your life that you don't like. Imagine that you could choose the interpretation that this is life saying to you, Hey, Tim, would you like to see what's keeping you from knowing me and loving me more deeply? In any moment of anger or fear or sadness, in any moment where I'm taking personal offense, creating a sense of personal offense, I could choose to say, Hey, Tim, this is life right now in this moment trying to show me something I'm carrying around with me that's of judgment, that's of conflict, that's of tension, that's of negativity, that's of what Michael Rice would call a disintegrative energy. And it's right here at the surface. Take a minute, take a few breaths, do a worksheet or two, do a tapping session, dismantle some of this and make Commit yourself to doing that before you take an action, before you respond to an email, before you hit the delete button and pretend that it never came through. That's the core of this work. It is so useful. I can't even begin to tell you how many times situations like this have arisen 
in my last, oh, let's say 30 years of working with tools like Michael's and specifically the last 16 or 17 years with these tools, that it actually, you know, in the moment, I catch myself, I feel the negativity, and I turn the focus inside and I ask, okay, how am I creating this negative emotion? What am I making this situation mean? What's the goal I'm holding in this moment that I need to cancel? Because if I don't cancel the goal, I can't see what's connected to it energetically resonating with it in my mind that's actually producing this irritation or this righteous indignation or this sadness or this personal offense. So we have a set of tools that can, in the moment, help me dismantle my negative emotional state, my negative reaction, and choose a different filter. Choose a filter that's got clarity, that's got gratitude, that's got appreciation, that's got acceptance and allowance. Choose a filter that says, hey, in this moment, life is trying to offer me a way to see something I've been carrying around with me that's been keeping me from knowing and loving life more deeply. And here it is. It's right here. It's here in my anger. It's here in my indignation. It's here in my fear. It's here in my sadness. So our call-in number is 563 999-3581. If you press that, call that number and press 1, we can have a conversation. How are these words, how is this dynamic revealing something for you or stirring up a question for you? Let us know. What's your question about what I just revealed? What's your question about this email and my potential response and what I might do to process myself before acting on a response. Again, the worksheet's available at whyagain.org. The worksheet's available in your app store. If you type in Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness, and it's completely free and private, either way, you can either print off the PDF file and copy it as often as you'd like and use it over and over again, or you can download the app and use it over and over and over and over and over again. Area code 610, is this Susan? It is, Dr. Tim. Nobody else is calling in. Is that right? How can I Well, we have, we, we have 11 callers, but you're the only one raising a hand. So how can we support <laughs> you today? Funny. Well, I... You're, what you're telling me about this recent email, I had a situation this morning that I was triggered with, too, and I met up with two friends who are aware of the situation, and my temptation was to get into a ain't-it-awful game or to get a lot of support for being right and feeling the way I do. And I was doing a worksheet in my head to get ahead of it and 
I got ahead of it enough simply to choose not to bring up the subject, but to sit with the darn thing, just sit with it and not go. Michael said the other day, if somebody commiserates with you on a situation that has triggered you, they are not your friend. And I've been thinking about that because I I do a lot of that. I Something will happen and I'll say, look what this person did. Isn't that disgusting? And we go through this and then I may do my work on it and clear it out. But I've gotten some vengeance. I've gotten some satisfaction. It's a huge temptation for me to not go to the worksheet right away, but to sit and get some justification, get some satisfaction, let the ego be stroked for a while. So that's what your talk, and I also said, hey, Dr. Kim, you want to do a worksheet? I'll do it with you. <laughs> but that's really not my place. I would I would do it in a second if that were a comfortable thing. But And I know you've done that in your Zoom meetings, but, you know, okay, those are oh, my I two do it. thoughts. I, 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 I do it in the in-person. I've done several in my Tuesday group in the in-person meeting. I've done them on the support groups Thursday. And, you know, for me, it, it, it's one of the reasons that I keep saying, you know, um, press one, give us a call, make a comment or a question. One of the reasons I do that is because I don't know what is going to be most useful. When when people call and say, like you just did, you know, it would be really helpful for me if you do a worksheet, okay, then I know there's at least one person who's following this and saying, hey, that would be useful. So, you know, we could step into doing a worksheet. At the same time, you know, I know I'll get the benefit from the work and the worksheet, even if I do it alone after the show is over. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, the, the, the power of the worksheet is, in my life, off the charts good. And I know mm-hmm. I will not respond to this email until after I've done personal work. Right. So 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 take a breath Susan and here are two other people with a hand up let's see if what they have to say is relevant before we Great. decide how to spend the last 25 minutes. Area code 513 okay. you're in the air. Who, who do we have? Hi Dr. Team. Hi Susan. This is Lucy. Hey. Lucy. Hi. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, um you know, Tim, I was, uh, we were talking, and in the last support group, we were talking about pedestals. I really got, got triggered with your story. You know, you're on pedestal, and somebody actually questioned my pedestaling, you know, <laughs> that another therapist is questioning your uh, <laughs> validity. <laughs> okay, so there's a really good so, worksheet for you to do. More than one, that's for sure. Okay. So, yeah, um, right. Um, uh, as far as form of que- as far as question. Um, so you said that, and 
Well, I'm aware of that, that uh, it's a matter of filter, right? You could put filter like, well, two busy therapists try to get in touch with and all that. So uh, what would you do? Well, first of all, uh, it's a, again, it's a great idea, uh, yet it's difficult, like even if this thought uh, crossed my mind, but some another energy is more overpowering, is a challenging to pick this filter uh, that's one thing, like I'm wondering how would you do that, What your, uh, un unless it's extensive worksheet process, how would you do that? Or, and a second question, let's say if it's urgent and you have to uh, respond to this email and you know that emotional unary, but it's urgent for whatever reason, maybe uh, patient, client, sake or something, what would you do? <laughs> Why? Okay. Why are you laughing? Okay. Well, I'm going to tell you why I'm laughing, because, because that's, if I say to myself, oh, this is urgent, I, I have to just respond right now because uh, it's urgent. That's my ego trying to get me to avoid doing my work before responding. Right? Mm -hmm. I, I, I just flashed on the, um, the story of the monk the Buddhist monk, and he was in, um, oh, come on, brain, help me out. He was in uh, Tibet, and they came in and they, you know, imprisoned these people, and they were torturing them, and and then eventually he got free, and then he was out, and they were he was being interviewed, and one of the interviewers asked him, you know, were you ever in actual danger? Was your, did you feel like your life was in danger? And he said, oh, yes. And the interviewer said, oh, was that when they were physically torturing you? And the monk said, no, that was when I almost got angry. Yeah. So there's the most urgent thing. There's the critical, that's the urgent. My urgent thing in this is my upset. There's nothing more urgent prior to my responding than dismantling my upset. And if my mind wants to tell me, oh, this is critical, this is urgent, it's just making excuses to push away my doing my work. That's the answer. <laughs> right? I mean, I mean, maybe, I mean, it, there, it's, it's possible. I, I remember somebody called the show not too long ago and they said, you know, how, how you, you know, what if, what if the situation is a mother with, you know, preteen kids and, and they're going to lose their uh, apartment and they're not going to have any place to live? You wouldn't tell them, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, you know, that's not the situation. That's my mind creating a set of excuses for not following through on doing the work. And that's how I would interpret your question, Lucy. It's, there's nothing more important than maintaining my integrity. And if my integrity knows that in my integrity I know that if I respond from anger or offense or fear or hurt, I'm going to be dumping, spewing negativity into this interaction between me and this other therapist. And, and that's going to have an impact since we're living in an energetic universe. That's going to have an impact on the family that I'm trying to work with. So yeah. I'll just take a breath and ask you to just 
figure out what are your worksheets to do about putting somebody on a pedestal and then having somebody else attack that because there's not even any valid way to say from this email that this person's attacking me in any way. And then the idea of a worksheet or two on, you know, am I making excuses or do I want Dr. Tim to join me in making excuses to just doing the work first and foremost? So breathe into that. I'm going to turn on uh, 828 and see if there's a complimentary comment or question here on what Lucy and Susan have already raised. 828, you're in the air. Hi, this is Magda. Hello, Magda. Ah, great. Well, I have uh, three reactions. Um, my first one was, and this is worksheet material, I uh, felt very protective of you as, as if this person had attacked you. And so um, that is my work to do because obviously I was defensive for you, which means I'm guessing that I have defensiveness within me to work out. So that's number one. Um, the other reaction, second reaction I had was how incredible, how marvelous for you to share this on the radio program. And this, of course, this is my projection because if I were to share something like this, it would, um, it would be very difficult because it's so personal. And um, and what well, right now, Magda, let me just tell you right now, I'm teetering yeah. here on the edge of the pedestal, and I'm, I'm trying not to crash down so that Lucy doesn't <laughs> doesn't take me off the pedestal. I'm teetering. I feel like I'm getting dizzy because it's moving around so. <laughs> well, hang on, hang on. <laughs> Get, get yourself stable. Oh, <laughs> um, what I'm what I'm aware of is that so often we all, um, and me especially, uh, avoid doing our work because we don't want to know what's under there, and so. You know, we do all kinds of things. I do all kinds of things to keep me occupied and distracted. And what you've done, I think, by conveying this information to all of us who are listening and all of the future listeners is that you have made it quite normal. You're normalizing the idea of letting the secrets out because there's no reason for the secrets. It is helpful to share. It is helpful to share the process. And so I commend you for that, and I'm, and I'm hoping that I'm not putting you on a pedestal. Um, that was not my intention. I just think this is a great lesson in how to utilize the tools, and uh, okay. I really like All the right. structure. Well, let, let me just say that the, you know, what, what you just said isn't necessarily <laughs> – putting somebody on a pedestal. That's what you do with what you said that, that is either going to result in somebody being put on a pedestal or not. And the other thing I wanted to say is that when Lucy was saying she was being protective and, and uh, part of what you were saying is um, 
Mm-hmm. I, I had a, a, a Tuesday support group a number of years ago where I'd had a, an event happen and I got very triggered in the mid-afternoon and then four or five hours later I went to the support group and I basically, in my words, I hijacked the group and said, I need to do the worksheet tonight because I'm so triggered. And as I was uh-huh. going through the first couple steps of the worksheet outlining what had happened and what my thoughts were about it, four or five people in the group started ganging up on the person that I was talking about. <laughs> I can't believe she did yeah. that. And I had to stop and say, hey, wait, wait. I, I don't want you to, to commiserate with me, what was a, that Susan was talking about earlier. I don't want right. you to be on my side in this. I want to dismantle my upset. I would have, I would have, I would have. I want to dismantle my upset. And I can't exactly. dismantle my upset if I enlist other people to agree with me about how horrible this other person is. And right. and it, it, you know, the blessing is that that had happened so many years into my using these tools that because I had the presence of mind to not join in their attack, yes. because clearly they like me there, I donate my time there, and, and the way I was presenting it, it seemed so horrible to me. It must have seemed horrible to them what this other person was doing. So clearly we could have had a let's beat up on this other person fun fest. Mm-hmm. But, it, mm-hmm. but if we had, I never would have gotten the work done. And that particular worksheet ended up being one of the most powerful and dramatic shifts in my perception of all the worksheets mm-hmm. I've done in the past 16 or 17 years. Wow. So the fruits are there to be had if I just stick to the plan and don't follow the ego's message. And the ego's mm-hmm. message is always going to have a negative emotion attached and a rationalization attached and, and a reason to not, not do my work now attached to it and so that's how i can know it's the ego's voice exactly well and and my first reaction feeling protective of you and wanting to defend you that's what all of that was about you know you she, this other person must be wrong <laughs> so i know i have work to do there and um and i think it is i really um am grateful to you for Voicing this out loud, it gives a, me a great model for two things. First of all, to avoid the to avoid my avoidance <laughs> of my own issues by avoiding the worksheets and keeping secrets from myself. And also, the second part of that is. It's good to share rather than keep secrets once I discover them about myself. Uh, to It's good to share with other people. It really makes a difference. Um, so that, that was the second part. The third part is, I agree with Susan, I would love to hear you go through a worksheet on this if you're in that place. And I'm complete. Okay. Well, um, I'm, I'm not... I'm not certain there's time, you know, with um, 11, 12 minutes left to go through a worksheet. Mm-hmm. However, I, um, however this unfolds, whatever worksheets I do and, and what it gets revealed, I'll put it back on the Internet show because I brought it up this one time. So, And, and the, the, 
the commitment is there on my part to do this work before responding to this person. Oh, this for is sure. one of those yeah. one of those situations where I've been the driving force to get this communication to happen between me and this other therapist. And so, you know, there's there's clearly something going on at the other end that isn't matching my energy. So that mm-hmm. might be, you know, some part of a worksheet I need to do. I might have a worksheet I need to do on um, them questioning my credentials. I might have a worksheet I need to do on, um, a, you know, being protective of a specialty. You know, I'm, I'm being asked, well, are you really qualified to do this specialty or that specialty? And that might be a trigger for me. I'm not going to know what the absolute trigger is until I start doing the worksheets. You know, you've, you've had a call in, in the past where you've done a worksheet, and it developed into 11 or 12 or 15 other worksheets, and Michael calls that the mm-hmm. Hydra effect, whereas... When I start yeah. doing one worksheet, I'm going to basically cut off the head of the monster within me, and as I do that, two more grow up, five more sprout up, and so, right. Right. Um, so I will, you know, I'll make the, the the commitment to sharing, you know, tomorrow, uh, unless somebody else is in a crisis and wants to talk. Tomorrow, I'll talk more about where these worksheets led, um, but. You know, for today, it'll just sufficient to say this is great that Susan and Lucia and Magda call in because that's also adding good material to the discussion. And people can see, you know, how silly it is for me to be protective of Dr. Tim because Dr. Tim, who, who the essence of Dr. Tim is, is totally safe. Right. It's perfect right. and whole. Nothing of value can be added unto it. Nothing of value can be taken from it. It's so wonderful that you're remembering this at that that at this moment. And that is, I'm going to write that on my chalkboard that I just created, so I can see it every time I do dishes. Well, you know, it's 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 the fundament. It's the bedrock actuality upon which I stand to do all of this work. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely, it does. If if I wasn't completely safe in every moment, then it wouldn't really make sense for me to stir this stuff up. And that's what we're headed toward is to be aware of that 100% of the time. And this work provides the the uh, vehicle for doing that. Cool. I look forward to hearing um, your results tomorrow. And thank you again for sharing. All right. You're very welcome. Uh, hold <laughs> on, everyone. I'll just turn on uh, 828. One more person has put a hand up. 828, you're in the air. Hi, hi, Tim. Can you hear me now? Yes. This is Jack. Um, here's some things that are just uh, common sense, which I can avoid having when I'm upset, but I'm not upset. So here it is. The big book of AA says, pause when agitated. In other words, just stop. <laughs> and, 
And then another one is uh, a good order of doing things is ready, aim, fire. Don't fire before you're ready and don't, and don't fire before you aim. Another one is that Rumi said, and the, and the big book and the uh, Bible also says, you know, you're, you're, there's power in your words. So, and um, Hammerstein said the same thing when he said, uh, you know, keep happy, happy, happy talk, talk about things you want to be. You can't have a dream come true unless you have a dream. And, you know, look it over. And then the next thing is get advice from other people that you trust, like maybe your business partner, maybe some other therapist that you know who can talk about it in therapist terms of saying, how do you deal with the situation? And eventually, all of you together will come up with the best solution that will help everybody in the most positive way because that's the way the universe seems to work. And live in the question, namely, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> so that's my little uh, packet of information for you. And, um, yeah. you, you know, we all need help from each other. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Blessings. Thank you for the, the input. I would say at this stage of the game that um, because I have these tools – um, the idea of going to other therapists and getting other ideas is more like, you know, enlisting people for my side of the argument. So I wouldn't do that. What I will do is just do the tools. I will ask, okay, how am I creating this negative emotional state at this moment? Area code 847, you're in the air. Hi, Sam. It's Mary. Well, hello, Mary. Hey. Uh, just a, a quick thing. I, I I can see that I have a number of worksheets to do off this this show, and glad that it's it's Tuesday night for the support group. <laughs> so I'm like, I uh, I'll do some more on it. But for me, I think coming from a place of um, being a doormat for way too long, some of this is is odd for me because I find like sometimes I ask people, you know, to interpret something for me, thinking like, am I going the other side of the pendulum and trying to protect myself or someone else when that happened. Like, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm wondering how, how this blends in with, let's say this woman had done this to your, you know, right to you and said, so, and it was meant as, as bad. You know, I guess those are the situations where I, I stand there and go, well, I'm going to look for the wussiest way out and, you know, then you go home and do my work. But then I've violated all the new boundaries I want to put in place that, that show me to take care of myself. And I think I get confused on these issues that you're talking about because of that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, there, there's a whole issue of um, being respectful of myself and doing the work before responding. So if I'm in a place where somebody's, you know, it's a face-to-face interaction with somebody and they actually do attack my credentials or, or attack my work and they're trying to be negative or they're trying to get a rise out of me, that's even more urgent for me to take a breath and turn the focus inside and refuse to act from the negative emotional state. That's even more urgent. Now, hmm, okay. when I have a when I have a situation like the one you're talking about, if I have had a lot of years of being told lay low or you'll get you know knocked out or knocked over, and I've come to believe it's not safe to respond, and so I've developed a habit of taking on the doormat role. 
then as soon as I dismantle the negativity, the negative emotional state, I want to come back and address it with the other person from that balanced emotional state that asserts, here's, and it states very clearly with my words and my actions, what I think is acceptable and what I think is not acceptable because that's my definition for boundaries. Boundaries are not right. lines I draw in the sand or a fence I put up. Boundaries are this flexible thing that gets communicated to people with everything that I say and do that is effectively communicating what I think is acceptable and not acceptable. So if right. I were in a, you know, it just came to me to say, so if I was in a face-to-face interaction with somebody who said something that was, you know, insulting or challenging, I might catch, feel that emotion in me, catch it, take a breath, turn the focus inside, breathe a little bit and say, you know what, um, that's an interesting perspective. I'll have to get back to you on that and walk away. Not try to stay there and resolve the issue. Refuse to be baited and go do my work and figure out, wow, what just got triggered in me? And then, as soon as possible, from that balanced state, then reach out to that person to communicate whatever I feel is important to communicate. Hmm. But yeah, when the I when I when I react, I, I, I guess, yeah. yeah, yeah. But but so is speaking up. <laughs> Absolutely. But see, I guess I'm trying to force myself to speak up before I let things go, and then my experience is in the, and then in the future, if I sit, you know, I try and do the work, and I, I do it, and then I go back to the person to have a conversation about it. This don't even know what I'm talking about half the time. It goes in one ear and out the other, and a lot of the people I know, they're just like, they just insult people right and left. It seems to be, you know, everybody's angry these days, or not everybody, but a lot of people are very angry, and, you know, it's just, it's starting to be a habit with, in my experience, it's been, it's looking like a habit for a lot of people because things have been so difficult for so long, you know, with all the pandemic and everything. So I, I don't know. I just feel like I, I, I don't, find in my experience that I do well if I walk away. I almost need to, I don't need to, I don't know, what is it's like to say something like, well, I don't know if I like the sound of that, but maybe we can talk about it. Or, I just feel like I need to address it somehow if I'm going to be true to my boundaries and to be speaking up in the moment instead of going home and stewing on it for a while. <laughs> okay, well, well, one thing that's, to, you know, to, to be true to yourself is to say, wow, I, I in listening to that, I'm feeling a lot of uh, upset come up in me. I'm feeling, uh, you know, defensive. So I, I'm going to go have to sort that out before I respond. That's making a statement about what happened without pointing it at the other person. So it's, okay. it's you know, it's it's putting a tag on it and saying, wow, you know, and when I listened to you say that, I had a lot of upset come up in me. I had a lot of fear come up in me. I had a lot of anger, resistance, offensiveness come up in me. I'm going to have to process that before I respond. So now it's not, you know, if I come back to that a day or two later, they're not going to be honestly able to say, I don't know what you're talking about because I've labeled it in the moment. Okay. And I've talked okay, about the upset I have that I'm going to 
do some processing on before I come back to them. Mm-hmm. But I've done it with the focus on me rather than pointing a finger towards them and saying, well, you're being attacking or you're being insulting, you know, because maybe they didn't intend it. But if it landed that way in me, I can label the the impact on me and then tell them I'm going to do some work on it before I get back to them. Okay. All right? Thanks. Yep. All right. Well, thanks. Hello and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio. I'm Tim Hayes. I'm your host for the first hour. And today is Wednesday, October 28th, 2020. Um, we were talking yesterday about how right before the Internet show, I read an email. that I put a whole series of interpretations on that were less than less than positive, less than loving. And it resonated all kinds of negative emotions in me. And we were talking about, well, several different people had comments or questions. And so it turned into a bit of a dialogue there near the end of the show. And and rather than me doing the worksheet on the show, I entertained some questions about it and talked about how I would apply it. And, and then we wrapped up the show with the commitment that I would do some of the worksheet processing about the negative emotions I had generated yesterday. And then last night in the support group, we have a support group on Tuesdays and Thursdays. It's available through Zoom if you want to join us. The information about that is at mindshiftersacademy.org. And there's two separate pages, one for the login information from Tuesday and one for the login information for Thursdays. And so I did a a worksheet in the support group last night, and then I've done a whole series of them uh, later last night, in the middle of the night, early this morning, before choosing to respond. And the point of the work that we teach in this, in our Mind Shifter support group and on this Internet show, the point is that contrary to what my culture teaches me, I'm not angry or hurt or sad or scared because of an email someone wrote me. Even if that email is overtly insulting, even if it's loaded with swear words and uh, accusations. And so what we, what we observe so clearly and fundamentally and repeatedly in this work is that It's the interpretation I choose and then apply to whatever events occur in my life that's responsible for the way I generate the emotions I feel. And and it's the interpretation that I decide on or choose, depending upon whose vocabulary you want to use, whether it's just an automatic reflex response or it's an actual considered choice of many varied options. But it's the interpretation I'm using 
that holds the thoughts that when I pour enough of my mind energy into those thoughts, that's what generates my emotional state. So when I read an email from somebody who was questioning my credentials and my um, and the validity of my working with a certain client right before the show yesterday, and I generated anger and uh, righteous indignation and um, you know punishment thoughts, and that was all happening inside me, and was completely independent of this other therapist writing an email. And I know that because I've been working with these tools for enough years to know that that's the actual dynamic resides within me. And then when I don't like the nature of the anger or the bitterness or the hurt or the resentment, I can pick up the tool. I can start breathing right away. I can use the acupressure points that are available from EFT, the Emotional Freedom Technique, I can make the commitment to keep my breath moving, to feel these energies flowing through me rather than getting all tight and tense and bottling them up. And then I can step into the use of a worksheet. And so we did this last night in the support group. The the group members supported me in working through a, a worksheet. And we were using the seven-step version of the worksheet, the one from... I don't know, 2017, 2018, something like that. And the worksheet takes the first three steps to help me map out what I'm doing with my conscious logical mind that's actually generating my upset. And I had the name of the therapist who wrote me the email as the trigger. I had myself and the anger, the emotion I was feeling in this one was anger, and my anger level was at an 8 or a 9 out of 10. And what I wrote is what happened is that this other therapist was questioning my integrity and my qualifications. And then the thought I was using to generate anger is that she's being manipulated by her client and it's going to require more work from me. And the punishment thought I had in that worksheet was I just wanted to leave, recuse myself from the whole situation. And the goal that I had for the other therapist was for her to be more professional, more respectful, and more responsive to the needs of the family. Now, in the worksheet process, it understands that if I'm holding on to any goal, no matter how loving, no matter how positively stated it is, if I'm holding on to a goal and I'm feeling a negative emotion at that same time, the emphasis, the focus of my energy on the goal is blocking me from seeing how I'm actually creating my own upset. So the key to this process is to cancel the goal. And when I canceled my goal for this other therapist to be more professional, respectful, and responsive to the needs of the family, and then breathed and asked to be shown the hidden part of my own mind and canceled my need to be right, put my conscious logical mind on the shelf and and just breathed into it, I saw an image of a very, very clear 
image that happened about 40 years ago. And I was working at a psychiatric hospital, and I was working on my doctorate in clinical psychology. So I was I was far more educated and experienced than most of the other people working in that hospital. And I'd, I'd, I'd come to be relied on as a a leader on two or three of the units. But the situation that I flashed on from 40 years ago was one in which I got hooked into something with a patient, and I ended up allowing myself to be dissuaded from what I knew would be the right course of action, and I did something that was disruptive and disrespectful to the other workers at the time and was probably hurtful to the patient or at least disruptive for the patient. And I was blinded to it, and I just carried right through as though everything was fine, and it wasn't until a day or two later when I realized the hostility coming at me from coworkers that something was out of whack. And when I asked about it, one of them was brave enough to tell me, you know, you were a really jerk the other day when you did this, and then and only then did I see how out of line I had been. And I had shame, and I had remorse and I had sadness and that was a very potent memory I had some tears come up when I remembered it last night in the group and I made notes about it I made notes about I can still see the the woman's face from back then who was the one who was brave enough to confront me about my misstep And took a breath, and I I was no longer feeling the anger that I was at the beginning of the worksheet. I was aware of the sadness and the shame that was echoing and reverberating in me from that time 40 years ago. So I breathed and finished up the worksheet by making a commitment to canceling do a mass canceling of all the times I've ever wanted anybody to be more professional and responsive and respectful. And I left with the, the, the goal to do at least two more worksheets before responding to this other therapist's email. And the interesting thing happened that in the beginning, in the first step or two of the worksheet, it flashed into my mind the thought, you know, maybe I could do a responsibility communication worksheet, which is another tool that's available on whyagain.org. And as soon as I had that thought, another voice in my head said, screw that. You're not doing that. This this person doesn't deserve that. You aren't going to make yourself open like that. And a very strong resistance And it was part of my mind thought about using that tool, and another part of my mind said, screw that, you're not doing it. And then at the end of the worksheet process, when I set my goal to do at least two more worksheets before responding to her email, I found myself writing and perhaps responsibility communication with, with 
you know, um, a little trepidation, but nothing like the vehement refutation of earlier. And I graced, I, I judged my upset level at about a four, from like a nine down to a four in that one worksheet process. And so then we breathed a little bit and talked about it and answered some questions from people, and then somebody else did a worksheet in the group. And uh, somebody asked me about my worksheet. You know, did I feel like it 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 was worthwhile, that it, it did anything? And one of the things that I, I used as a marker for, yes, this was a useful worksheet, was that my upset level had gone from a 9 out of 10 anger down to about a 4 out of 10 on the anger. But I was also introduced to the energy, the emotions of sadness and shame, So I had more revealed that I could do worksheets on. And then the other marker I used was that I I had the thought, well, maybe I could do a responsibility communication without all of that negativity behind that thought. So then we wrapped up the, the group and went home, and last night I did... A worksheet um, or two, and then this morning I did one on um, on waking at 4:30 in the morning, wide awake, thinking about this, thinking about how it really I'm feeling a sense of urgency to get coordinated communication between myself and this other therapist for the benefit of this family. And so I did the worksheet on one of the levels of sadness. And so I, Tim, who am love, am feeling sadness. Sadness is what goes in 1B. And 1C is this other therapist again. And what's happening is that she's questioning my experience. And then the thought I was using to generate sadness was that her refusal to make time to talk with me will deprive this family of the help I might offer. And my punishment thought for her was shutting down and blasting her with anger and then shutting down and leaving. So in the worksheet process, then, we reconnect with loving energy and and then set the goal. The goal my mind was telling me that it had to happen was for this other therapist to reach out to me as a professional and work to help this family. So I breathed and I reconnected with love and I got some good loving memories going in my energy system and then I canceled that goal because I know as long as I focus on someone or something outside of me or even focus on changing something inside of me with my conscious logical mind, I will block the flow of insight that might reveal to me the true nature of my upset. So when I canceled that goal, around having this person talk to me, reach out to me as a respectfully as a professional so that we could help this family, I really tapped into some deep sadness that went back to when I was 21 years old. And when I was 21 years old, 
my family had a mental health crisis. My father had a serious mental health crisis. And the psychiatrist that someone had recommended to me refused to talk to me about it and just said, you've got to lock him up. You've got to get him in a hospital. And I remembered the very, very crushing sensation and myself running up the stairs crying and my mother calling to me from the bottom of the stairs. And I realized in the middle of the stairs, I can't crumble because she needs me. He needs me. My dad needs me. And my mom needs me. So there was a lot of sadness, a lot of breathing, a lot of tapping this morning starting at 430 And the value in the worksheet is it helps demonstrate to me one more time that the upset, the sadness, the anger, the righteous indignation, whatever it is that I think I'm feeling in this moment because some other therapist is or is not doing what I want them to do, is clearly not the cause of my emotions. So I set the goal to do more worksheets on the issues related to sadness and shame. And, of course, at this point in the morning, I'd only done one on on the sadness. So the next one up was to do one on shame. But um, apparently what I ended up doing was one on anger. And I did it, the worksheet, on the memory of being 21 years old and reaching out to a mental health professional for help with my father and having that person refuse to listen to me and just give me no options but to lock my dad in the hospital. And the thought I was using to generate my anger back then was he won't listen and he won't take the time to work with us. And at the time, my punishment thought was screaming at him. Of course, I, I didn't do that on the phone. I did that after I hung up the phone. And my punishment thought for myself was just to shut down. I was in the process of running up the stairs to my bedroom to cry myself into oblivion when my mom stopped me and seeing her, seeing her concern for me was enough to break me out of that spiral and get me focused on doing something productive. So when I had the goal for that person, the goal was to have that psychiatrist at the time work with us and take the time to listen and understand the whole situation. And as I breathed through that, of course, all kinds of emotions were coming up and tears and remembering the feeling helpless and hopeless as a 21-year-old whose father was basically just not there. He was so into his mental health crisis that he was not able to protect himself and he wasn't able to protect my mom and so was my mom, mom and I trying to 
pull the family together. And it really felt when that psychiatrist had said, no, there's nothing you can do. As a matter of fact, you better hang up right now and call an ambulance, etc." I felt, you know, the crushing weight of being helpless and that my situation was hopeless. So I breathed through that and ended up with uh, that particular worksheet went from a level four of anger down to our level six of anger down to a level four of mostly the emotions around feeling helpless and hopeless. So then the next worksheet was on fear. And this was back to the current life situation. I have this fear that what this other therapist is doing or not doing is stopping me from being helpful to the family. And the energy of fear was being generated by my thought that I'm going to look incompetent to the person who referred this family to me. So here's a third party clinician who had referred the family to me to do family therapy and here's an individual therapist who's supposed to be seeing one of the other family members who is the target of the worksheet so I have a fear and I'm creating the fear by keep I keep pouring energy into the thought I'm going to look incompetent to this other referring therapist And my punishment thoughts were to blast anger and indignation, and the punishment thought for myself was just to withdraw, just to shrink away. So the goal I set in that worksheet was for this other therapist to reach out and coordinate with me in a professional manner. And when I canceled that goal and asked to be shown the hidden part of my own mind, I saw, again, back to the time when I was 21, my fear of disappointing or looking incompetent to this lifelong friend of my father's who I had reached out to for help in trying to stabilize my father and save his job. And and this person was so close to us in the family that we called him Uncle Max instead of Mr. So-and-so. And he was a psychologist, and he was one of my father's heroes and good friends and a roommate after college. And and I just felt this tremendous pressure to be useful, to perform, to somehow avoid disappointing this person of respect. And so, again, you know, the the dynamic that my mind is telling me, I'm really worried that I'm going to look inept or ineffective to the person today who referred me this patient. And it's really just an echo of an old download of emotions from when I was 21 years old. So I put that worksheet away with the goal of doing some more worksheets on the shame and the upset and the fear of disappointing people and did another 
worksheet, this time on the shame of how I felt so inept when I did this thing 40 years ago that I mentioned earlier where I had made a misstep as one of the heads of the psychiatric unit for these on this adolescent ward and I basically undermined the authority of other co-workers and been out of line and just been blind to it until after the fact and my you know my thought was uh, I'm an idiot I got used by this patient I got manipulated I um, disrespected my fellow workers And so the goal for me in that worksheet was for me to be perfect and professional at all times. And again, I realize if I hold a goal like that and there's any shame in me, if there's any anger, any fear, any upset, the more I focus on the goal, the more I keep myself from having access to the root, the actual cause of that emotion of shame. So I breathed through it and did the meditative release and asked to be shown the hidden part of my own mind that was actually creating this upset. And I saw a whole series of events seemingly spinning too quickly for me to get a hold of where I felt inadequate, ranging from grade school through high school and college. And then I breathed and shed some tears and realized I was feeling kind of blank, a little bit more calm, but not really resolved, and agreed to do more worksheets. And then I went to do another worksheet. One of the other worksheets I did was on the righteous indignation that I had because this other therapist, in my opinion, was questioning my integrity and my experience. And the thought I was using to generate that righteous indignation is that she's narrow-minded, and with her being narrow-minded, it's going to hurt this family. So I set up the goal for her to see my experience and my value and my integrity and to work with me to help this family, kind of basically to expand her vision from that narrow-minded prejudging position and to see my experience, my value, and my integrity and to work with me to help this family. And so I breathed into that and did the cancellation after tapping into my essence as love and getting that good energy rolling. And I got flooded with a series of times from my college age where I had been narrow-minded and it, it turned out to be disruptive and or ruinous for someone else. At least that was my judgment of it at the time. And I saw a series of those events. And then I made a commitment to do another worksheet on on myself being narrow-minded because I I had some specifics I could work on from the college years. 
And at the end of that worksheet, my upset level had gone from uh, 6 out of 10 righteous indignation down to about a 2. And I was softening the conclusions within me that things have to go differently today than the way they're going now in order for things to be better. And I just it felt more comfortable breathing into realizing, okay, um, this is a lot of my old stuff getting triggered, and so I'm not really seeing clearly what's going on in the world around me today. So I want to make sure that I breathe and soften and continue to do the worksheets on the upset. But when my upset level was down to two after that last worksheet, I felt completely comfortable formulating and then calling and leaving a voicemail message for the other therapist, answering one or two of her questions in the last email and inviting her to connect with me soon on the phone so we could coordinate um, the work with this family. So that's the processing that I had made the commitment to do and share today. And I'm aware that there's still some energy of emotion, although most of the emotion today, most of the tears today are about appreciation and gratitude and 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 relief in, in being able to sit with a more solid feeling uh, of myself and of my work and understanding that with a willingness to continue to do the use of these tools, perhaps even the responsibility communication tool, I will do all that I can to contribute to a positive resolution to the communication with this other therapist and to the interaction with this family for whatever therapy I might continue to be involved in. So that's my offering for today. It's We have 24 minutes left. So that was a pre-recorded show from October 27th and 28th, 2020. And enjoyed listening to that. This week, Dr. Tim has played. Go, you can go back and re-listen to each of the shows or you can go to mindshiftersacademy.org. He has them listed under the best of audio files. But every show this week has been Dr. Tim processing, going through his own stuff. So welcome to the second hour. Actually, we're down to 48 minutes, but uh, we felt like it was absolutely worth listening to that extended program. Thank you, Dr. Tim. So today is Friday, December 30th, 2022. And our call-in number is 563-999-3581. And press 1, and that puts you into queue to talk to us. And we would love to hear your comments and questions because that makes this your show. And while we're waiting on Michael to get dialed in, um, I invite you to go to the website, whyagain.org. We have made several changes. We've added a lot of stuff. The shop the catalog has changed totally. 
it's now set up also so that if you order something online, you actually can create an account if you want to so that if you go back, you can look at your past orders and things like that if you need to do that. Also, Susan has added at the top of every page, there is the regular, um, oh, what do you call the little button that takes you to RSV feed. But then she's added a separate one for iHeartRadio. And we have found that where a lot of the podcasts will only let you listen to like the last 300 episodes, um, iHeartRadio goes all the way back. And we've been doing this. We started January the 31st, 2011. So we are getting ready to go into our 12th year of doing the radio show. And it is here to support you. If you have questions or comments or um, need support in something, that's what we're here for. This will be our last show of the year. It's hard to believe, but when we come back, Monday, it will be 2023. And uh, we would love to hear from you uh, if there's something we can do to help you get through the end of this year. We did have um, a question that was text, texted to Michael and I in reference to yesterday's conversation when Paula called in. It was a great question about um, demonic entities. And um, so it was... It, kind of a continuation of that. So we'll wait till Michael gets on and then I'll ask the young lady who had that question. Press 1 and let's continue that. That was good questions that you texted this morning and uh, I sent the quote out of the Way of Mastery that you had sent. I sent that to Michael as well. So I'm going to go ahead. Hello, Susan. I'm going to go ahead and turn your microphone on. I think that he... uh, <laughs> he, I read the text to him, and he goes, "Oh, forward that to me." So, um, yeah. He's not on yet with us, but uh, right. well, that was so good. So, other, uh, the fact that we ahead, we okay. are reading the thoughts of other people according to the way of mastery is we're not impervious to others' thoughts. They come right through, and they may not. What this text said is, they may not be our thoughts. We may be picking up other people's thoughts. Good grief. Uh, They seem like ours. But anyway, I just wanted Michael to go over that and work it into our discussion. Right. And Um, Michael and I talked about that. So, Michael, if you can first explain. I mean, we are united. We are connected. We are part of one body. But we are also individualized. So how can, you know, so it's kind of the question was, if somebody thinks a thought, do we also think that thought? And I'll turn it over to you, Michael, to answer that. Does does that adequately frame your question, Susan? Or is there a little more to it now that you've had a chance to think about it? That's part of it. Why don't we go with that? Because if I'm picking up on someone else's thought, I think I thought enough about it to know that we can still avoid be, being triggered, or maybe we are only triggered when we have that already in us, but we've got everything in us from everybody else. So it's almost too hard to answer, I guess. Just one of those mysteries. Well, um, I, don't, I don't think it's that much of a mystery. However, it will... Uh take a little sorting out my first my first offering would be is we really need to define thoughts 
And just because something is resonating in what we call the mind doesn't mean that someone is thinking. You know, if I say, don't think about the color of your car, what resonates in brain cells? Put the color of your car. And the average person would say, well, and if I said, well, what are you thinking about? They'd say, well, I'm thinking about the color of my car. Because there's information stored in brain cells that fires and that information moves, does it really have anything to do with thinking? My offering would be no. It isn't thinking at all. It's just a resonance right. of information. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. It's not conscious. It's not, you're not aware right. of being aware. So it's just information firing in the mind. Thinking, let's, the best definition I've been able to come up with for thinking, and it flies in the face of everything the world would call thinking, is that thinking is the ability to hold love, conscious, active, and present for your perceptual mind, especially when something less than love is moving in your mind. And that's thinking. Cycling information from the past isn't thinking. It's just cycling information from the past. So I become the thinker when I can hold to the presence of love and have access to truth based upon the actuality of what's moving in the world rather than based upon what's moving in my mind. Now, brain cells operate according to the law of resonance. You know, the thought in the worksheet that says, when I choose love, it wakes up the love in everyone, means that if I choose to come from being, I'm setting up an energy that will tend to stimulate that state of being in every other person. And that, again, is resonance. And it strengthens the energy of being in each of us when one or the other stands firmly in that place. But that's not thinking. So when someone throws out a thought or someone has what we call a thought moving in them, the only way I'm going to share in that energy, you know, on a thought level, is if there's something in me that's in resonance with that. So I won't be, I won't be in my individuality, which is connected to oneness. You know, Einstein says, if you think you're separate or separated from the rest of humanity, you're living in an optical delusion. We're not separate. Yes, there's only one of us. But we are individuated, much as the cells in the body are individuated, though it's one, we would say, one body. And when someone has something move in them in carbon-based memory, which the world calls thinking, if I have a matching energy, then whatever matches that in me is going to move in me. So someone may be thinking, you know, relationships are wonderful things. Well, I have brain cells for relationships. So whatever's in my relationship file will tend to resonate with that. And my relationship file might say, you know, relationships mean 
there's work to do. So this person over here is thinking about relationships are wonderful things, and through resonance, that will tend to move in me the thought that in relationships, there's work to do. So in a sense, it's a shared thought, but it's not an identical or a shared piece of energy. We use the word thought, and we use it incorrectly. It's a, it's a shared piece of energy, but it varies depending on the content of each person's brain cell structure. There's a quote from Course in Miracles. It's really pretty cool on this topic. It says, as my thoughts of separation call to the separation thoughts of others, so my real thoughts, and this is what comes from being, awaken the real thoughts in them. And the world my real thoughts show me will dawn in them, pardon me, will dawn on their sight as well as mine. So if I quiet my mind, if I, if I get out of my mind, if I can be free of the perceptual constructs of my mind and I'm receptive to what's moving in the actual world in the mind of what was called the mind of love, the mind of Christ, that's going to tend to move in me and it's going to, through resonance, tend to move another toward that direction. One of the things that I've, I've learned with Aria Rain, one of the things she's taught me is that my job as her grandfather is that I need to stay connected to the space of love in her space and that by so doing and seeing only that in her, conceiving of only that presence of love in her and as her, then through resonance, I strengthen that state of being in her as I strengthen it in myself. And I tend to pull that into her structure, what we call her body, the same as it strengthens and tends to pull it into awareness in my body. And so my only job with her is to keep seeing her as the presence of love and helping through resonating with her in strengthening her state of being so she she shows up as the primary mover in her own body-mind unit. And if she does something that resonates, something is less than love in me, my job is to process myself really fast so I can get back to being that space in her. And so we will tend to extend that which we focus on, that which we are committed to. And if it's our thoughts of trauma or the mind energy of trauma, then that will tend to, if others are around us that have trauma in them, resonate their unique trauma, not necessarily the same thing that's moving in me. Is that approaching where you want to go? Is that making sense? Yeah, it, it really is. It's as if you're in your own way. You have outlined what the gentle art of blessing blessing is trying to do too is you you go Precisely. into your heart yeah you go in there and you you say i love you and that doesn't mean not the way you have told us not to think about it but to open the heart and then go to the thought of i bless you um be the space that's yeah. 
Yeah, you're you're Aria is one lucky kid. I'm one lucky grandfather. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's wonderful to have the chance. Yeah, it's amazing how this dovetails with what Dr. Tim was talking about in the pre-recorded, I mean, the the archival video he was, I mean, talk he was doing where he was talking about how much processing he had to do and the fact that this was not a a fast deal. And you've gotten to the point, and I'm sure he has too most of the time, when under stress, in the, the stress of the moment, a fast process is a good thing to do. It's the only thing you can do unless you don't do it at all. But it sounds as if you've gotten good at doing, especially with a kid, they'll do stuff and you'll be triggered. And then what do you do with it? You you know how to do something with it right away before there's any harm done to anybody. That's so great. Or at least we hope right. We had an interesting example on uh, Christmas Eve. You know, we went to the kids' house and we were doing, um, you know, pajama party, potato soup dinner. It was was, was really fun. <laughs> nice pajamas, and, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> that was Jeannie's selection. In any event, um, Jeannie and I were there, you know, and we're playing. I mean, we're just having a blast. And Ari's mom's parents are from the Philippines. So they've got a pretty mm-hmm. strong accent. And they've been teaching Ari a Filipino, at least some Filipino oh. words and such. But for some reason, on Christmas Eve, as they were talking, Ari went into, and I don't know whether this is part of what she's learning at school. I suspect she's observing kids doing this, because it's not something I've seen her do before. But Aria is turning, almost turning on uh, her grandparents. And she's like, well, you sound funny. They, your voice oh. is silly, you, and you know. So we haven't had the space with her since then. But I'm working on. She's got some books on the emotions, and one of them is called kindness. So uh-huh. I've been working on a lesson. You know what that brought up for me is, wow, that's it's actually racist. You know, to talk mm-hmm. to her own grandparents is because they have an accent that there's something quote unquote wrong with that. But Mm -hmm. I've been working on a lesson. She's got a book on kindness, and we're going to sit down and read that book, and then we're going to have a conversation about that event and what it means to taunt someone because they happen to be different and that our whole Mm -hmm. world is made up of different people with all kinds of different things. And if we're actually going to function as love, you know, if we're going to be love, and one of the things love is is kind, and to, to help her to recognize what isn't kindness, and as I say, I suspect she's seeing that at school because we've never seen any sign of anything like this from her, but just kind of a taunting thing with her own grandparents. And so I had to do some work in me to let go of that. And since then, I've been kind of formulating a lesson, and we're going to sit down and talk about kindness and, and support her in letting loose of that and recognizing if she see things and sees things in the world, it's not for her to replicate. It's not for her to do that, but to stay in tune with the truth of who she is rather than join with others' thoughts that perhaps are off base with us functioning as love. Wow, so interesting. It, you wonder whether she's... I mean, as you said, she's 
possibly been exposed to a little bit of bullying and PC and who can say what and what's inappropriate. She's getting sort of channeled on onto certain tracks at school while um, or is it really just different for her and she thinks it's funny? I mean, it might be. Could it possibly be just innocent? Well, it could, but but of course she's you know she spends two to three days of the week with us while the parents are working, and then two to three days of the week with with uh, her her other grandparents. So she's got you know I mean she's four, and for you know for four years she's been with them three days a week, and I've never heard anything that resembles that kind mm-hmm. of interaction from her. It's an yeah. it's a new behavior. And, and uh, you know, the, the point would be to explain to her what that means in the world and that she doesn't have to copy what the world does and what what kindness means, what living, you know, our, our standard line with her is, Ari, why are we here to be love? So mm-hmm. if someone were to taunt you like that over something different about you, would that feel good? Do you think it feels good to your grandmother and grandfather? And is it kind? So let's learn what kindness is and let's forgive, you know, whatever that's about. Let's let go of that and move forward in kindness with everyone. That's and so great. That, go ahead, Jean. Tigger, that t- triggered a thought for me and, you know, she picks up on everything we do and say. And this yes. possibly could be something she picked the other day when she was here. I got a phone call, and it was from somebody, you know, from another country trying to check up on me about my Medicare or whatever. And, you know, they were like, I don't know, Indian or, you know, mm-hmm. Chinese or something. And I hung up, and Aria was like, you know, who was it? Why would you hang up? And I said, well, it's somebody wanting to sell me something and they didn't even talk English. Uh-uh. So I take on the responsibility that I may have been the cause of that. I didn't think about that until just now. But if mm. she heard me hang up on someone else because they didn't speak English, and then a couple of days later her uh, dolly speaking to her Spoke with a dolly. strong accent, right? Wow, yeah, weird. So, Good tag, Jeannie. Whoa. Yeah, so I'll have to, when we talk about the kindness lesson with her, I have to uh, do my own admittance and and um, apology for doing the same wow. thing. When we have been trained to work with refugees, we were taught right away, listen, these people can't speak English. That's because they speak another language, and this is a different language for them they already know at least one other language these people are really super duper and so don't look down or feel superior because you just remind yourself that they already know at least one other language right so honoring yeah that'll be a good thing to bring into the the lesson with her is to honor others and uh, yeah, even if their skills are different than ours. Whoa, yeah, means they know some other language other than ours and maybe a lot more of them than we do. It's a sign of being very special. Yes. Or gifted or bright or whatever. Another um, thing that comes to mind with this whole conversation 
is going back to that story in the scriptures where there's a woman who has this 12-year issue of blood. It's got a period that's been going on for 12 years, pretty traumatic in that culture. And she knows that if she can connect to the presence of love, the active energy field of Yeshua, she will heal that she you know it would it, the way i would understand that explain that is on her own she's not able to be the space of conscious active present love to strengthen her sufficiently to throw off and process through this disease energy that she's got right but when she touches into the energy field of yeshua and this you know to me would be you know along the same lines of resonance and shared thoughts that when she is able to connect with his energy field she's vitalized sufficiently that the work she was ready to do she's able to do because she's strengthened by it and to me that's that's to me is one of the you know the reasons or the jobs I have as her grandfather, and one of the goals I have in this radio show for every person that calls in, to be that kind of space that uplifts the vitality of each person we talk to so that individually and collectively we can process through whatever our limits are. And that's, to me, the power of community, the beauty of community as we have the opportunity to do that. Mm. Yeah, I was thinking about Paula when she first called in, um, you you got her to, at least it seemed as if she was going to do a worksheet and was going to call in the next day. And I was eager to be on that call and hear what she had done. And there was no mention of her. And she didn't seem to be there anymore. And I thought, what happened? I was so glad when she called again yesterday. And I was wondering if you none of my business, but I wondered if you had talked to her off the radio show or something. But in any case, I was so glad to see she's, he's, oh good, she's hanging in there. And it seems as if you're catching her in a free fall, as if she's been just traumatized terribly by this whatever diagnosis she has. And you're giving her hope and tools. And I just, and so I was particularly interested in her question and eager to hear where it came from and what was going on with her. So that's, I hope that one, that little thread will continue. That's just me wanting it, not, not her. I wanted right, to hear right. all that was going to be said. Well, we'll hold the space as if she's ready to do the next level. We did do some, some personal conversations and personal processing and, you know, the, the recognition to me, the, the, I say that the resonance in the world is so powerful for you're broken. There's something wrong with you. I mean, that idea of churchianity requiring you admit you're a sinner and give up your true identity. Mm -hmm. And to, if we can even, you know, when, when, when the mind is stuck in those false identities, if we can at least just give a, you know, one little drop of water that says, Here's the truth about you. Can you make room yeah. for it? So great. That's so and great. by so doing, draw through resonance that, you know, as I was talking with Ari Rain, about with Ari Rain, to draw that resonance of being in strong enough through the crazy ideas that our cultures fed us about who we are. And that first line in the worksheet, acknowledge who you are. I am love. That's it. 
Okay, I don't always function that way. Well, actually, <laughs> I rarely function that way, you know, whatever that is, to at least let the space yeah. in for, oh, okay. So I can at least start to suspect that's the truth about me. And nice. to me, the tragedy is that these ideas come from within our family systems. All right. And it's those traumas passed from generation to generation to generation, unresolved, that, you know, the sooner we can get to the kids with this understanding, the sooner the adults who raise those kids are going to heal. And rather than it becoming a family tradition to pass on trauma, it becomes a family tradition to pass on the awareness of ourselves as a state of being love. And if something less than that comes up, there's work to be done. Let's go do it. To me, that's an awesome opportunity. Yeah. So anything else on your mind for today, young lady? Well, always. But I wanted to say I'm on the radio show so much. And one thing awesome. Dr. Tim did on the um, on the replay, I noticed he he pushed three buttons, I think. Three people were in the discussion all at once. And I just hope, Jeannie, you'll, you know, if I'm going on and on about something, and other people are trying to call in because I'm I'm sort of I get a lot of airspace in there with you. Please, I mean, Michael, you always say, "Well, you're the one we're talking to." Well, I hope you'll sort of loosen up around the edges on that one and say, "Well, we've got another hand up, and maybe it's somebody who wants to address the issue too." And I hope you'll all feel free to do that. All right, then we have a hand up, so I'm going to leave you okay. on, and I'm going to turn on Celinda. Five four one, you're on the air. Go for it. Welcome, Celinda. Happy New Year. Hello. Well, I'm not there yet because I'm still celebrating Christmas. All right. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it, I'm the time is growing short. <laughs> right. Epiphany, epiphany. So New Year's for me just kind of gets enfolded into Christmas. It's very nice. So anyway, no, I just had one thought that came up when you were talking about prejudice. Um, I was very fortunate to have started first grade in Japan, so I have a very fond, a big fondness for Asian people. And I remember I was in the post office on Kauai once, and uh, Hawaii has about 35% Japanese and about the same amount Hali and then other uh, other ethnic groups, Hawaiian is a big one, of course. And I was at the post office, and I had to do something with the passport office, and that was in the post office, and I was standing in line. And there was a Japanese lady at the post office working on the passports, and a Howley lady came up, and I don't even remember the energy, I mean the interchange between the Howley newcomer and the, I guess a newcomer, and the Japanese lady who was local. And I could just tell by the energy that this lady was really put off by Howley's. I was next in line. Um, so I just thought, you know, 
I could stand to endure a little bit of prejudice against me so that I know how it feels for someone else who is a minority or who is different to be prejudiced against. And it was very, very helpful. It was an insight. It wasn't me. (laughs) It just came down the pike real strong. And uh, so I've been kind of aware from then on of prejudice when it rears its head into my, its hydra head into my life. And I just wanted to share that. It was very helpful for me, and it was helpful for me to accept myself as I was at that time and have subsequently uh, expanded to say, okay, Celindo, what's it about you in this situation? Let's go through this process. Even if I'm standing in a line, I go through the worksheet process um, to the best of my memory. And uh, it's amazing what Sweet. It's amazing. Yeah, and I just wanted to share that as hope and um, joy that our process is right on schedule, even though we think it's going to take forever. <laughs> We're in the middle of it and have an end it's the uh, un, what is it the endless story or whatever that movie was about um us as in our transformational process so i just wanted to share that with you i've had a lot of things come up about shame and um fear and sadness lately um just within the last few days and so that really dovetails with dr tim's worksheets and what you all are talking about. So I just uh, hold you all up, all of you. And thank you, Susan. I still think we're Siamese twins. <laughs> so Could thank be. you for all your sharing. <laughs> so we're both a couple of monkeys, right? So what can I say? <laughs> but anyway, um, that's oh, the that's Chinese, nice of you to uh, say. <laughs> Chinese, Chinese lunar calendar, right? The animals. Yeah, well, anyway, I just wanted to thank every one of you and tell you how much I'm appreciating. I I get on when I can, and I don't sweat it when I can't, and I'm very grateful for the archives, and everything falls into place. Very sweet, very cool. Well, you know, the standing in line and letting things come up, you know, that's every person who's willing to do that. Uh, is one who just took one more step toward creating a space of serenity within the world. And each person who's looking out there in fear at what the terrible traumatic things are that are going to happen is a contributor to the terrible traumatic things on an energetic level. This is where Yeshua talked about, you know, a house being divided against itself. And uh, if if we want to create peace in the world, the first thing we need to do is deliver that state of serenity or what the world calls peace from within ourselves. We can't be in disturbance and fear and not contribute to the very thing that we're fearing. So, you know, you're right on with that, Celinda, of, you know, each each time the mind comes into some sort of conflict, am I willing to collapse the constructs of my mind and make space for true mind to come into full function within me. 
And that's the biggest challenge there is because that mind can run on with its fear-based stories about how this is terrible and that terrible and that terrible. And and in so doing, we become contributors to the terrible <laughs> as opposed to, oh, terrible coming up in me. I think I'll process this. I think I'll bring it. You know, the, the course talks about bring the world you do not want to the one you do. Bring the world of internalized fear, which is usually a replica of early childhood experiences, bring that world to the active presence of love. And when we do, healing happens, and it's a pretty awesome thing. I can share um, a specific thing about that, and I'm really grateful that you are sharing your thoughts on it today, uh, your life experience. Because I have decided, it's almost a mantra with me now, this is a co-creative universe. This is a co-creative universe. What is your part, Celinda, in the co-creation of this event? It not only helps me to see where I have done the very same thing, but it also helps me to see where I am actually creating heaven on earth again. You know, it's it's a balanced position. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's a balanced position. I don't have to blame myself. I don't have to blame the other. I can rest in the confidence, and I know challenges are going to come up, so I can work through more layers, and that's cool. They'll come up, and I even accept my resistance because I don't know what I'm ready for and what I'm not. And so and sometimes when I'm resistant in a certain area, I, I go to another tool. I say, okay, okay, there's something going on here. I'm going to go to another tool, and I just work it that way. And um, But the, the forgiveness worksheet is, the uh, wake-up worksheet is always in the back of my mind in relation to even the other tools, you know, what goals do I have and what are my emotions? And it, it all, it just kind of comes together in a, a very unique way for each one of us. And, right. and we're in the eternal yep. now. We're in the eternal now. <laughs> so That's the um, plan. The hurry. Hurry help anything? You know, so we've got to do it right now. <laughs> I'm even seeing that in relation to all of the things that, quote, unquote, are wrong in the world. Hey, Celinda, you say that life plan, the great reigning vision of life, is already established. What are you doing hooking into, oh, my God, I have to hurry. I have to hurry. Like, I have to And how did that look world? like your power person dynamic? Yes, always. There's a, I mean, always. There's a wonderful quote from Carl Jung. And here's what he said. The little world of childhood with its familiar surroundings is a model for the greater world. The more intensely the family has stamped its character upon the child, the more it will tend to feel and see its earlier miniature world again in the bigger world of adult life. Naturally, this is not a conscious intellectual process. So to me, to become aware that, you know, the constructs our minds make up are replicas whenever there's stress of power person dynamics. 
and people right. become what they think is irritated, agitated, upset, or protective of what's going on out there when what they need to do is to become aware of the mind that's constructing it and therefore contributing to what they're resisting in the world. And once they go in and find that power person dynamic, hold on, once they go in and find that power person dynamic within themselves, apply forgiveness in that regard and allow that, uh, as uh, Jung called it, uh, let's see, the model of the greater world, the more willing we are to collapse that construct based in fear in our minds, the more powerfully we can bring the true created essence of who we are as love into physiology. And when we bring it into physiology, that's when we literally bring it into the world. But if there's not room, and, you know, if you think of the Christmas season, I talked about this a little bit the other day, you think of the Christmas season and we have this allegory. The scriptures talk about how it's all allegory. We have this allegory about this mind of love, this state of being human, pure essence, or the Christ child wanting somewhere to land in the world, and there's no room at the inn. At this point in in our process, there are seven and a half billion inns in the world. Each one of us was given an inn, a place for that mind to land, to reside, to rest, and to express and change what's happening in the world. But most everybody, their perceptual constructs, because as Jung says, this is an unconscious process, their perceptual constructs reflect that dynamic that was stamped upon the child as a construct about something out there when we live in denial. Oh, it's something out there that needs to be changed. And certainly there are lots of things out there that need to be changed, but we can't be a change agent for what needs to change out there until we change what's happening in here because it's our projection. And when millions and millions and millions of mine have been stamped with the same insanity, let's say things like like conflict and war, whether it's a family war or a world war, if one cannot go back and undo, forgive, remove the dynamic in themselves of a family at war, they can't help to prevent the external wars. But the minute that one steps in to do one's own internal work, being a contributor to the mass collective energy of the world, we make a totally different contribution when we clean out, you know, all the, the those that are inhabiting the in, the hostilities, the fears, the grief, the rages, the blames, the fears, the terrors, the being picked on, the picking on, when we forgive those things in ourselves, then having made room in the inn, instead of that mind of love having to go lay in a manger, it, it resides within us and it becomes our contribution to the world energetically. And that's what changes the, the game. And then once one achieves that, then step into making, you know, taking action to bring those changes about in the world. But until the change is made internally, every action, you know, the activist who functions out of their fear or their own unresolved pain ends up contributing to the very thing they're being activist against. 
by not resolving the energy within themselves first. So thanks for bringing up that, you know, standing in line, and there you are. There's a piece of work to do. That's such a key to the whole process. Oh, yes, it's ongoing. It's the unending story. And also, and, and it's really quite exciting when I'm allowing myself to sit down and reflect on what a wonder and a um, wondrous process this is. That, and it's pretty amazing, for sure. People we are. Yeah, I have one other thought I can share if you have time. And if there's no one else, about uh, when when you made the comment that well maybe I better go do a worksheet on, sheet on being misunderstood, and I thought wow I'll share with Michael and Jeannie this one and Tim um, that I am realizing in my family of origin what happened was that. There was a lot of crazy stuff going on, and it was one of those sit down and shut up kind of things. And and any time I um, would see something differently, and even begin to uh, make some sort of response to it as a little kid, I would basically be told that's not the way it is. And so two things were happening: you're not right. That's not the way it is. One is a total sense of uh, confusion and crazy-making, like I can't trust my eyes, I can't trust my ears, I can't trust my heart, I must be wrong. And then the second thing was um, the the rightness and, and the confusion. Those were the two things. Am I going crazy? You know, this is what my eyes see, and I'm being told that's not the way it is at all. Excuse me, I have a tickle in my throat. Um, Anyway, the other thing I began to realize as I reflected on that was as a little kid, since I was in survival, which is a bunch of power people dynamics around me, pretty much basically the same power person dynamic and different people, that when you're a little kid and you're in survival, being right is absolutely essential. Because if you're oh, yeah. not yeah. right, you're dead. Yeah. Get obliterated. So, yeah. Right, exactly. And so behind my being misunderstood and not being able to voice what I was feeling, seeing, thinking, um, I realized that behind that need to be understood is also a survival need to be quote-unquote right. And so I really appreciated listening to your and Tim's um, sharing that you did because it brought up for me always there's more layers, always, always. And I tend There are definitely layers to be done, for sure. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And I tend towards a self-righteous spectrum rather than the arrogant spectrum. But you'd have to talk to somebody else, Larry, or someone to see if that's a valid statement or not. Because I'm the teacher. You know, that's the route I took. I'm the teacher. I know, you know. Yes. And, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And yet, yes, I see right now. I see there was arrogance, too. Because how many times with my children I basically said, Sit down and shut up. My way. So, the so here's a yeah. yeah. So here's another quote yeah. from um, 
from Carl Jung that ties right in with that and brings brings up oh, the two things that we've been that talking previous, about. I love that previous quote too. That was very helpful. Yeah. So, and this might as you bring that up of the things you've recognized you've done to your children to consider this and go back and maybe redo some of that in your mind. He says, if there's anything that we wish to change in the child, we should first examine it and see whether or not it's something that should be, would be better changed within ourselves. Oh, man. And I think we could substitute in that quote the word world for child. If there's anything that we wish to change in the world... We should first mm-hmm. examine it and see whether or not it is something that would be better changed in ourselves. Because 99.9999% of it is all projection. And right. so doing, going back and doing a redo and tying it in, you know, I don't know if you've, uh, if you've done much work with the power person worksheet from the codependence intensive. But some of these things that you're talking about may, might be good to go and do that extended power person worksheet, and, and it will uncover another layer of um, correctability within your own mind, I think. I that don't might be useful. believe I have the – right. I don't believe I have the latest one because I didn't take the last workshop, and I'm not sure I'll make sure about, to get one to you. Oh, perfect. That would be delightful so I could PDF it. If it's a PDF, I'll just do it out. Yeah, I'll do it. All right. Yeah, and the last quick little thing is that what you were saying, it's all an inside job. For the first time, I'm getting the meaning of what that really means. It's the whole creation is an inside job. And so if I don't... My, I've got a little arthritic finger that points back at me, an index finger, and that's the finger of ego. So I thought, oh, Celinda, um, Ruha is sharing with you something about yourself in your little gouty finger. <laughs> so there you go. There you go. Oh, blessing. All right, young lady. Well, we're down to the last minute or so. So I'm going to say thank you to both of you. Do you have a last thought to add, Susan? Um, no, I had a question, but I'll save it for another day. Okay, awesome. Well, uh, this is the last time we're going to talk to anybody this year. So we just right. really hold the space for a sweet and awesome New Year's, safe, awesome New Year's celebration, and truly the best year yet of your eternal lives. We join you in that, and blessings. Appreciate each and every one of you. Happy New Year. Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with Dr. Michael Rice and myself, Jeannie Rice, and Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet as we present the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We are here for two hours every Monday through Friday from 12 noon to 2 o'clock Eastern Time on Mind Shifters Radio. For more information on Aramaic forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. That's www.whyagain.org.